Hey everybody, welcome back to the Tattoos with Intention podcast where we unpack the tattoo paradigm. I'm your host Mark Nara and it feels really good to be back on the microphone putting the next few episodes of this podcast together out into the world and into your ears because a lot's been shifting at the moment. There's a lot of attention grabbing that is rather destructive. So just remember to keep your mind clear, clean and connected. Ask for that every day. That's what I do. And before I introduce this episode's guest, I just want to encourage anyone who's listening that resonates with any of the things that we talk about on this podcast in relation to tattoos and personal growth, uh, that's keen on connecting with other people who are also equally invested, if not more than yourself, people who already are using their tattoos as a tool for their personal growth. Uh, If you're interested in knowing more about how to use your tattoos in a constructive way so you can connect and create a dialogue with your spirit, then I encourage you to join my private community group. Uh, It's called the Tattoo Pathway. You just go to tattoopathway.com. That's T-A-T-U. There'll be a link in the episode notes. But basically, within this space... I am seeking to bring people together in a more meaningful way so that we can feel comfortable and confident in sharing the stories that we have in our skin so we can build a community that recognizes tattooing as a unified modern day rite of passage that's free from all of the cultural and religious uh, ideals and ties and stigmas and dogmas. So something that's very contemporary that honors the original intention of marking our skins and that we can overlay with our our complex and um, different world you know we're in a very different time so that's what's happening within that space I'd, I'd love everyone to go go into that page and and request to join if you want to like I said it's private so you've got a request I'll let you in if it's a space you you really want to participate in <coughs> This whole community things come as a spin-off from the coursework that I put together. I've taken one group through it so far, <clears throat> very early stages, uh, but that's the seven principles of tattoo philosophy, and it was so successful and so fun uh, and full of amazing humans that went through that first round um, just before COVID hit. We're going to do it again. And the community page is is literally a spin-off of that. So go over, join in. I'm going to be doing a webinar on there this month that talks about the coursework in much more depth uh, for anyone that wants to take place, take a place and enroll in the, the second course, uh, which will run at the end of September. It's a super useful thing to do. Uh, Most people found that having a framework and language that they didn't have before to be able to understand what it is that they're going through when they get tattooed and communicate that with people around them was super useful. Um, So jump onto the the community group, get into the free webinar so you can have a bit of a download around what the course is in case that's something you want to do or work towards. You can also go to themarkofnarrow.com and you'll see a breakdown of the course 
uh, on that page as well and the option to enroll if you'd like. Cool. So in this episode, we talk to an artist, a mystic and a gentleman who is all the way over in Dublin. His name is Sean Perrins. He's also known through the interweb as the Electric Hermetic. I came across some blogs that were written by Sean about three years ago where he was inquiring much more deeply into the significance, significance of marking our skin, the way he conducted his practice in his space. He was working from a studio which he founded called The Black Lodge, which still exists over in South Africa at that time. And me and Sean have been playing uh, ping pong, email ping pong, <clears throat> since we first made contact three years ago. So it was an absolute pleasure to finally have this gentleman uh, connected via this little wire here on this screen and have a chat. And I'm sure you'll find a whole lot of relative insights contained within this conversation. So enjoy. And I'll have all of Sean's links and contact details in the outro and in the show notes so i hope you enjoy and i'll talk to you soon bye Thank you for uh, making the time to have this chat, man. Do appreciate it. No worries, dude. No worries at all. Glad so, to be here. Yeah, great. So uh, for everyone that's listening, I've just tuned in with Sean Perrins. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. That's cool. And he is based over in Dublin, Ireland at the moment uh, at a studio called Reincarnated. Um, so, man, we we first touched in with each other in 2018. I had a look at the original um, message I sent you on Instagram. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. a couple years back now, you know, and um, yeah, what originally brought me across yourself and your work was um, I was just cruising along on the internet, you know, trying to dig up what there is out there around any type of intentional tattooing you know because it can be a bit of a an isolating thing or it was you know going back a little while and um i came across the the black lodge page where you put up a bit of uh like journal work or essay writing around your practice and what you do um yeah so that's how i came across you you know um but that was a while ago, right? Man, I actually think that we spoke via email. It was before I left. It was before I left Joburg. So that would have been, I think, 2016, maybe. Yeah, I left right. Joburg at the end of 2016. I think we mailed a little bit before and then we chatted on Instagram later again. Right. So it was even later than that. Further back. Yeah. yeah wow. Further back. Time goes quick, hey? <laughs> so quick. Say again? I said time goes quick. Oh, shit, man, it does, yeah. Yeah, yeah, wild. Um, cool. Well, I'm glad that we're finally having this chat. It's been long awaited, but uh, 
before I press record, you were saying that you feel like it's quite timely for yourself. Yeah, for myself, man. I think when we touch base, I, I, I was I was in the I was in the early days of of just exploring like uh, alternative philosophies in uh, in tattooing. Um, I was kind of dissatisfied with uh, that kind of surface level or like consumerist tattooing. Let's call it consumerist tattooing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and obviously the way that, uh, the way that the world's going and picking up speed, it, it just, it just seems to, uh, gather more and more of that towards itself. Tattooing as a whole just seems to uh, invite consumerism more and more as more and more people get on board and, um, and we get into the, in, into the sale of, of, of tattooing. Um, and, and I was just, uh, I was just looking at, uh, at it as a more, it's just deeper, more ancient mm. and more profound. And, uh, yeah, it was, I go, like when you touch base with me, when I was writing that stuff, it was, it was basically a time of reflection. Um, I think a time of, uh, like, uh, the seeds of, of some personal growth as well. Um, but timely now, because I, I, I mean, I went through a huge upheaval after that moved, moved, moved continent. Yeah. And, uh, I kind of had to shelve everything, you know, you move to a new city and you've got to, you've got to build a new client base and get into somebody else's shop and get to know people. Um, but I, but it's just started moving for me again. It's just mm. started moving forward in quite a big way, which is, uh, which is nice. And then connecting like this is just, uh, feels good. Yeah. A bit, bit reaffirming. Hey, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's, let's, um, wind back to where you were at in Joburg and kind of, yeah, what was happening for you at that time that, that moved you towards um, the Black Lodge and, you know, yeah, digging, digging a bit more into that, what was happening in terms of the commercial stuff around you and then personally, you know, how your practice started to respond to that. Yeah, I think, oh, man, I don't want to be too long. I can be very long-winded. I don't want to be too long-winded about That's it. That's all right, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, like, that, the, the, the shop was the inception. I mean, I opened, uh, I opened that shop in 2013 uh, with my wife um, because I wanted to get out of – I was in a very, what I would call, like, a, a, a boutique studio, you mm. know, like uh, – um, and not to throw any shade at them, they, they were good to me. Um, I learned a lot there, um, but I, 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 I was feeling that uh, that sort of commercial cloud descending on on the approach to tattooing. I was getting a little better at what I was doing, and I and I wanted to build a space free of, like the inception of it was just a space free of politics, free of interpersonal drama, um, like a studio outside of the street shop model that people could just tattoo in mm -hmm. and get to grips with their craft and, and, and focus on, on, on tattooing as opposed to focusing on who they were and what everybody else was doing around you and fighting for work amongst each other and all the little dramas that come up in very sensitive artistic communities. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> we you know, are sensitive, aren't we? Oh yeah. Hypersensitive. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think I did that. I established like a really nice space, um, a space where I allowed people to be autonomous, where the law was just personal responsibility. Um, 
And I was, I was deepening my own, my own studies, my own, I call them my flaky studies, but my own sort of spiritual path at the time. So everything kind of aligned. Um, and uh, at the time, I think around about late 2014, um, I was introduced to working with plant medicines. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a recovered addict, so I haven't touched any, I hadn't touched any substance in a decade before that. Ah, um, yeah, was, power to you. Yeah, it was a huge, it was a huge step to, I, I spent a year thinking about it. Um, uh, a friend of mine was serving at the time. And uh, it, it was a year from when he approached me to when I, I, I kind of bit the bullet and jumped in. Um, and, and I guess we like in this kind of thing to say, oh, I had a calling, you know, like I was called. Like, uh, yeah, that's the language. That's the language these days. Um, but uh, it, it, it was actually quite the opposite, man. I was uh, like, uh, I, I had a vision, <laughs> but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a pleasant vision. It was... Uh, it was more of a wake up call. And, uh, I was kind of shown tattooing as, uh, or rather I was shown myself in tattooing and tattooers as a whole and just how careless we are with what we're putting into people. And I was shown the, the depth and the import of what we lay into people and how we're not just putting pictures on people, but we're literally putting everything inside people. And it all became very clear, very suddenly, that everything was going in. My personal space, the music, the chaos, the people in and out of the studio, whatever energy was coming in, was getting snapshotted in that moment, mm-hmm. and captured in that tattoo. Yeah. Um, and that's when my practice started to change. It, like it started as a, um, as a personal endeavor. Um, it was about my intention, me staying present in the moment and starting to engage my clients in conversation around that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the best I could do, because not everybody is open, not everybody wants a Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but I felt like it was my responsibility to be mindful and to curate space for people, regardless of what they thought they wanted or didn't want. Um, it was it lay in, in, in my hands to, uh, to ensure that that space was held for them. Um, the same way we hold space in ceremony, we hold space in, uh, in all those kind of facets of life. Uh, you know, whether you're, whether you're sitting and meditating, whether you're doing plant medicine, whether you're getting Reiki, a massage, anything, whether you're in therapy, um, you want that space to be a trusted space. Um, Completely, completely. Yeah, I hear you on that. You know, like, okay, I hear you on that. Look, I mean, I just want to say, firstly, that what a, a beautiful um, insight or vision to receive, you know, and I think it's, yep. I, I really resonate with it. You know, again, that's some of the language that gets used around. I resonate. I do. I, I feel, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I feel and have a, a comprehension of what you've experienced in that insight because I've had the same thing, you know, and it's beautiful because it does really ignite that sense of responsibility in terms of what you're doing and who you're working with. You know, tattooing is ceremony. That's the, that's the bit that's been lost, right? That's kind of what's been washed out in our current practice is that reverence for it as, as such, you know? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. 
I always, always say the same thing to people. You know, everything is being recorded in the moment, you know, like um, every little bit of conversation we have. And that's why I try and make sure everyone's as comfortable and as safe as they can, you know, holding them in that space because a lot of the time things will come up that just need to be heard in the space, you know, and recorded. So, yep. yeah, I, I see where you're at at that point. And so that led led to curating and opening the Black Lodge. That was, I had the, the Black Lodge was open. It just changed okay. the way that I was operating in that space. It changed ah, the way that I, uh, yeah, that yeah, I yeah. felt about that space. Um, I had a great, I, I was blessed. I, we had a beautiful studio, huge studio. Uh, we had a little meditation room set up, which doubled as a ceremony room on the weekends. Sounds um, amazing. Uh, we had a little private studio set up so that if anybody needed to get undressed or be in a, in a, in a sort of exposed environment, we had a, like we had a, actually a, a couple of private, private spaces set up. We had a photography studio. We had a garden. Um, we had a token dog Sundays. Sounds um, it was so great. beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. good. In, in the heart of Johannesburg, it, it, it wasn't really, I don't think it was very uh, common space. Yeah. I yeah, come across as a studio. Yeah, so really, like uh, another world when people would enter. Hey, I always felt like w when I w when we opened the place, it was straight. Like I have, uh, like I've, I have a lot of magical study, like Western sort of esoteric tradition as a as a background. It's like a yeah. I want to dig into passion. that. I want to dig into that yeah. later too. <laughs> but we'll set the scene. Um, so when I, when I created it, uh, part of how I created it is I, is I imagined the, the, the studio as an entity in itself. And this was pre, this was before I got to the point of, of working with medicines or thinking about tattooing incredibly differently. Um, but I had created this, uh, in my mind, I created this, this entity that was the shop that was the black lodge, that this benevolent kind of maternal entity. Um, and it's funny that it's like that, which came first, the chicken or the egg, because when mm. things started to coalesce and come together, I just realized that it had always been that way. Um, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um it just became aware it of it. Just, it wasn't that I had to manifest it. It's that I had manifested it already and everything just kind of stood into space. The tattooers that were working with me were just such beautiful people. Um, everybody was amenable to taking their practice seriously. Um, and yeah, we just, we had, we had something really beautiful there. I miss it. I miss it dearly. Mm. Mm. It's very different in the streets of Dublin. Yeah. So tell what, what was the transition over to Dublin? I mean, don't, you don't have to divulge too much of your personal story, only share what you want. But when we were talking, you kind of said it was like quite a, an initiatory phase and you ended up having to uproot and leave. Yeah, look, uh, like without going too deep into it, 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 like Johannesburg is quite violent. It's uh, mm. there's a lot of violent crime, and we just had an experience as a shop. Actually, um, like my wife and my eldest daughter were there. She would have been sixteen at the time, um, and all the guys from my shop. And we were walking out in the middle of nowhere in the country, and we got held up at gunpoint, um, mm. and that just rocked my world. Um, and I decided to get my kids out, bring them over here and, and give them a, a chance at kind of like a safer, safer teenage experience, what they had left of it. Um, Completely. So it, was quite, uh, it was quite sudden. We went from being, uh, from having uh, like a brush with crime to, 
I was over here three months later. So quite sudden. Yeah, um, yeah. It was a very sudden transition. And the tattoo practice it really did take a back shelf. Um, it put, like, the perspective was as much as the stuff was resonating with me um, and, and pushing me um, to explore my practice from a different angle. Kids come first, man. Of course, family, of course. Your family comes first, uh, your family's well-being. Um, and, I, and I went back to having to make myself financially secure above and beyond. Yeah. Uh, trying to follow the internal pull. Well, again, I applaud you, man. I really do. It's like, um, I agree, family's first. My, I've only got a young family. My daughter's two and a half. My son's eight months, you know, so... Yeah. Yeah, how how many children do you have, and how old are they? So I've got. Uh, they are seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen. Wow! But only, yeah, only two of them are with me. Okay. Um, so eighteen-year-old and a nineteen-year-old on this side. So yeah, oh, beautiful man. Yeah, really. Um, when I hear of other parents now, you know other fathers and mothers that are, are doing the work, it really inspires me. You know, I've had this whole echelon of um, people that I, I was looking up to or that were teachers that don't have that uh, sphere of experience and it kind of has weakened the signal a little bit, you know, because you have to manage yeah. that and it is the priority, you know. You can't put yourself before that. So, yeah, I applaud you on, on making those moves uh, for the family first and, you know, as I'm, I'm saying quite often these days, like all is as it should be, right? So it's quite timely exactly. that you're, yeah. you know, moving back into this space now. So, yeah, you said you wanted to um, sort of get back to where you left off and, and move through that backsliding process, as you called it at the time, even though it was probably necessary, right? It was a necessary I don't, yeah, thing. Like yeah, like if, if I look at it today, it's not backsliding at all. But if you, right. when you're going mm. through the process and you know where you were and you know where you want to be, all you can do is beat yourself up on the path and go, feels Fuck, like it. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it feels like it. But um, yeah, you did what you needed to do and now you're back in a space where you've more recently started really leaning into the intentional aspect of the practice again. So getting back to that space, you know, yeah. um, feeding back into that, that first insight you had around what was going on. Hey. Yeah, exactly. Man. Yeah. Exactly. So what's it look like? Uh, it's for interesting. You now? Uh, yeah. uh, you're in it like you, in your webinar, which was, was, it was awesome by the way. Um, oh, thanks. Thank your, you. your webinar last week. Uh, I thought that was super valuable for people to hear. Um, but I, I, I noticed somebody like on the sideline popped up and he asked, um, oh, is anybody doing this in street shops? Um, I can't mm. remember the name of the chap that asked. Yeah. Uh, but it, it kind of shot out to me um, because I don't think that I, I, don't, I don't think that that's discussed and it's been something I've been wrestling with over the last year, especially is, uh, transitions, man, like yeah. how to, you know, it's, 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 it's one thing to sit on. Um, I mean, I've seen shots of your space that you had in Tasmania, which were just like beautiful. 
absolutely beautiful. Oh, thanks, mate. Uh, such a nice view and your little setup and the way that you serve lunch. And it was like, uh, I think it was a little tea <laughs> ceremony. And, yeah, man, yeah. I had the, I had the both respect, admiration and complete jealousy, like watching that, watching you work within that space. I thought it was great. Um, but then you, it's easy to sit on that side and say, oh, this is a way to deal with tattooing. But then knowing, I mean, I'm busy moving out of it. I'm moving through a transition now. Mm. But then I'm thinking to people who were sitting where I was sitting in the, in the last year, frustrated and knowing that there's more and knowing that there's a different approach, but being stuck in a street shop or being stuck in a shop that it just, it's difficult to make that space to, um, to follow this kind of practice because I don't believe that you can, I don't believe that you can do it. I don't believe that you can pull it off to its maximum potential in, in an uncurated space. Yeah. 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 I mean, I agree, man. Yeah, like, I yeah. do. You can't yeah, hold yeah. any kind of ceremony with people walking in and out. And well, that's just, it's just energy management. It just comes down to the yeah. fact that you're not in control of what energy is entering the space. Right. Um, not to, not to say any energy is better or worse, but it's not contained to just no. what you're curating. Yeah, but um, yeah, look, I, I think it, it is. It's a really important thing for us to look at because at the end of the day, you know, um, most people are going to street shops to get tattooed, and most artists are working in street shops. You know, yep. so the majority of this work that we're talking about is getting conducted in those spaces. Um, which was kind of the catalyst for me wanting to do the webinar and do this this coursework with people. So it's not even for artists. It's just so people can curate their own space to a degree. To a degree, know? yeah, yeah to it's, a better degree. Yeah, it's not going to be the same as someone coming into a private space where it's completely held as, as a ceremonial ground. But, um, yeah. you know, they can for sure uh, – like navigate some of the pitfalls that are in shops, you know? Exactly. Exactly. I think that, that the one thing you can to a point, uh, uh, the one thing that you can curate in that space is, is as an artist, you can create your own, you can curate your own headspace. Yes. But the internal space, um, the internal space. Yeah. It is possible to be present and be focused and just be doing that tattoo um, without being an asshole and mm. being completely unapproachable and switching yourself off from your surrounds, but constantly it's the same way as when you meditate and pulling yourself back to your breath. It's like, I'm pulling myself back to the tattoo. It's, for me, it is pretty much like a meditation. Yeah, totally. Um, totally. Some days it's difficult. Some days it's easy. Um, yeah, it depends on all of the trying to encourage clients, trying to encourage clients to get themselves in a space where they connect with the tattoo rather than getting distracted by the fluff. Yeah, totally. I th that's, it's big, that education side for people getting tattooed, you know, like that perspective shift that, that you had and that I've had around what we're doing as being so valuable. I think it's about getting that perspective shift for people getting tattooed. I think that's almost more important than anything else. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's interesting. I put, I mean, I put all that stuff up on Instagram and it's so interesting to sit and chat to people because a lot of my clients will come in and go, Hey, what's that about? Mm. Um, mm. And you get the, this, that sounds awesome. Sign me up. When can we book in? Um, 
And then you get this, <laughs> you get the opposite where you can, as you speak to people, you can kind of watch the switch Click. turn off and they flow. Like people who are just not ready to, to look at tattoo from that perspective. Yeah, totally. And everything in between people who are curious and people who want to know more. Um, but it, it, it's been great from that perspective. It's just starting to tap into people um, in small ways. I've always looked at the, the transition as being this, like kind of like epic voyage, you know, something mm -hmm. starting and we're moving into this new phase and bells and whistles, but it's actually small shifts that, that need to be made initially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, totally. Tiny shifts, opening those, opening those, those passageways and allowing the communication to start, allowing the conversation to start. Yeah. 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 I think it's, it's very amicable for any artist that is aware of, um, you know, these more intricate, layers of the practice to remain in and work in that space where they can help uh transition people into a space of understanding you know like yep. that's where i've spent most of my time it's only been sort of the later half where i've been in more private spaces um and that's simply been because of that transitional phase most of my um clientele have moved into a space where they're kind of requiring the private space now you know, yeah. so it's almost in response to and and um, in in respect for the people I'm working on that I'm in more private spaces. You know, um, no, but initially, good. yeah, initially it's like it was very much that, yeah, real subtle incremental um, changes in perspective. You know, probably for myself too, like understanding more and more and more, so I could sort of step between the two spaces. But. Yeah, that that's awesome to hear, though. That's also because you almost feel like on on one side you're there beckoning, like, yeah, come over here, check, come on, come and check this way of doing it up. Like, come in. and and mm -hmm. it's nice if the response is the other way where your clients are going. Hey, can we go to that space instead yeah. of sitting in a regular studio setup? Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, yeah. But I was in I was in a regular studio a couple of weeks ago down in Melbourne, and um, it was really nice to be back in that space too. Yeah, you know, and yeah, how yeah. much more comfortable I was in that space, I realized that part of the um, part of the thing for me was like I actually wasn't fully comfortable in my practice originally. Yeah, you know, so like having time out and just like becoming really concrete in it meant I could go back into that studio space and be sure of it, and then the energy was different as well. So like a lot of people in that space were sort of interested in what was happening, opposed to like. Yeah me feeling like it was being questioned or something you know goddamn hippies yeah <laughs> that type of thing it was really good it was really good yeah but so like let's... no i think there is there, okay. there is a degree of like uh ownership to how much of something is self-consciousness self-consciousness versus confidence the mm. same as in tattooing <clears throat> yeah between watching somebody take down a tattoo put in a stencil execute something with confidence uh, versus somebody who's self-conscious. And I think it's the same in this kind of practice is is how much of that is just being willing to stand up and uh, and take whatever comes, you know. Yeah, like, totally. Uh, it, it's easy to be insecure about the hippie, you know, crazy hippie shit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, totally. Yeah, so I think, you know, I think it is important to have, well, because just of the time, the time we're in, there's going to be people that are all different stages of, of um understanding and uh, participation in these like layers of the practice, you know, layers of intimacy with it as something that's sacred and not. And, you know, I don't know if it'll ever um, 
land all the way back on that extreme of everyone understanding it as something sacred and nor do i think it needs to um, no there's space there's space for everybody yeah yeah but i think it'll, it'll be like you know the intentional side of it's really starting to gain some um some traction which is beautiful you yeah. know it's happening in a lot of places so i think it, the it's in its infancy for our culture you know, it's not as old as it yeah. is in other ones. So we've got, we've got a bit of work to do, I think, in terms of like helping it take a really um, reputable form, you know? Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I've been thinking about it in terms of uh, it's a new tradition, mm. but it, it's, not, it's not a new tradition in its, uh, in its essence, but it's a new tradition in its iteration, if that makes sense. Completely. Uh, you don't have we don't have anyone to learn from. I mean, the most you could do is maybe go to the guys who are doing the magical stuff in Thailand, or you can go to the Islanders um, who have got sort of their deep uh, tribal stories that are going down. Um, and those people, there's still some people out there carrying those torches. But for us, especially as uh, sort of Western folk, um, we don't have a lineage. Um, we don't have anything to follow. So what do you do? You have to lay down a new tradition uh, based on remnants of, uh, of bygone days, man. Totally. And, it, and you know, connect to that, that inner space, you know, take, remove ourselves from, from um, you know, our lineal time and really, like, check in with that space that's beyond it because I think, you know, yourself, myself, a handful of other people I've spoken to, you can really feel it where you're like, this person has had that, that insight. They have had that download. They've connected with something that I feel like is, um, you know, a communication with the very essence of tattooing, the same yeah. thing that all the other cultures are linked in with. And I feel like we're probably having that, that um, connection and communication so that that new iteration can come through you know it's like it's the energy that just helps the physical thing take form right yeah and it, it's interesting it's also interesting how it's not localized uh, when, when mm. these movements and these shifts kind of happen the, the collective consciousness that way that it, it's kind of it's beaming down on different sides of the planet simultaneously and you're watching it spring up uh, in different places, in different, like manifesting in different ways. It's really cool. Yeah, it's beautiful. Shows shows how like uh, interwoven the whole population of the planet is at the moment. As yep. much as we think we're separate, you know. Um, but yeah, I did want to ask you about that, you know, like tradition and kind of the new things that are coming through and then um, what your thoughts may be on you know, because this is this happens in all areas of ceremony and and healing and sacred practice. There's that potential for it to get sort of swept up into the exploitation and commercial aspect that we were talking about. You know, that commercial cloud that sits on tattooing sits on the spiritual uh, parts of life as well at the moment, right? You have the what we yeah, call yeah, we yeah, call yeah. it woo woo over yeah. here. You know, the woo woo where people are just kind of yeah. hiding behind different terminologies and um bits of aesthetic so do you think there's like what's your thoughts on that in terms of tattooing and, and our um new spiritual uh way with tattooing where do you think the the boundary is 
I think you have to compartmentalize, man. I, th- mm. I think you, I, I think that and un- unfortunately because there's not that many people with, uh, or they, there's a, the people who are following an intentional practice are far more in the minority. Uh, your chance of getting apprenticed by somebody who's going to teach you that along with tattooing are very slim. So I think that because you're talking about snake oil, it's, it's a, I dress it up in spirituality. <laughs> I give you a, a mediocre tattoo and I go, but it's a spiritual tattoo and, yeah. and it doesn't help. It doesn't help getting an awful tattoo with, uh, with great meaning. Um, Mate. especially if it is snake oil and it actually doesn't have too much other than burning a bit of sage and, um, I don't know. Yeah. Imagining, yeah. 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 Imagining it's spiritual. Um, but I think that, uh, and, and I'm pretty sure you touched, I think you touched on it with John as well. Um, like I devoured those, uh, those two podcasts. Those are great. Oh, good. Um, but the great. need for the need for a technical foundation doesn't fall away. Um, and there's, there's no harm in learning to tattoo the, the, the old fashioned way to, to tattoo under a traditional tattooer, to tattoo under somebody um, with a strong technical foundation. There's nothing wrong with that because if you're not carrying some kind of uh, sort of desire for technical excellence as much as you're carrying a desire for to, to take tattooing to its sort of spiritual potential, then it's useless. It's like one is useless without the other. I don't, I don't even want to say that a tattoo could still just be, you could just still slap up on a good tattoo onto somebody and they could have a great tattoo and be happy with the, with the result. Um, but yeah, you can't use the spirituality as a scapegoat for bad tattooing. Um, well said as an excuse. Yeah. Well said, well said. So you have to, you have to compile. I don't think you can just wrap it all up in one package and say like, this is, this is what you've got. Um, I, I, I mean, I thought I was, I thought I was a good tattooer, like three years in and five years in, I, I had to go, well, I don't know anything mm-hmm. and 10 years in and I'm, and I'm looking at myself going, man, I could still be better. Like I, 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 I want to be better. And, and there has to be a drive for, for technical excellence. Yeah. Regardless. How, how long have you been tattooing now? So I did my first tattoo in 2008. So I, I like, I will be in like my 12th year of tattooing now. Yeah, um, but I—I I mean, I fucked around for like a good year. Yeah, yeah. I did my first in two thousand and eight as well. There you go. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, look, uh, I just want to keep riffing on that point because I think this is very crucial um, for people to hear, and it's why I brought it up because I knew you'd have a a good insight on it. And you know, I I'm again in agreement that there's almost two separate spheres of learning if you want to be doing intentional tattooing. You know, there's the technical aspects and then there's the spiritual knowings and technical aspects that go with it. And, yeah, I think, unfortunately, and this isn't like trying to, to condemn anyone, but, like, unfortunately from what I see, there is a lot, a lot of intentional artists that don't have those technical foundations. Yes, you know, that's just, that's just from what I'm, I'm seeing online at the moment, Yeah. you know, and I think it's because it's very exciting at the moment and alluring to want to be doing that type of work, you know, we're in a time where everyone's really drawn to their own cultivation 
So they want to be in that space. And then the technical side, you know, we both know it takes, takes a fucking long time to learn how to do a good yeah. tattoo and it's not, yeah. it's not pleasant. You know, it's not the brochure of spirituality. It's the op- absolute opposite. It's like yeah. completely uncomfy, like super difficult, emotional, super hard on yourself. And it's, yeah, it takes a lot of work and dedication to the exclusion of everything else. Like I don't think I could have technically developed my tattooing if at the same time I was doing my personal work. I agree. It only sort of popped in halfway through. I could do an okay tattoo, you know, I could do an okay tattoo and then like letting go of, of that and moving into the spiritual side, I think helped the tattooing build from that foundation. But yeah, it's super important. Hey, it is. I think that, I think that from the, you know, it's like if you have an intentional based practice, you have some kind of, I don't know, spiritual or I don't like to, I don't like to use terminology because I think terminology can isolate people. Um, yeah. but you have some yeah. kind of, uh, what do you call it? Like internal evolutionary paradigm, you know, there's some <laughs> this kind of, there's something going on that you're trying to get, become a better person, yeah. you know, like, yeah. uh, I mean, and, and it is tattooing is self defamation. And I, I personally am deeply flawed as a human being. Um, but you, you need a practice, I guess is a better word. Um, you need a practice outside of tattooing something that is about your own personal development as a human being. Um, which it in the long run essentially plugs into your tattooing the plug because mm. they're at some point they become indivisible. You're a tattooer and you're a human and you're a father and you're this and you're that. And, but everything just coalesces into that one point. And that's for me where that birthplace comes in that like, like where does the, where does the need for intentional tattooing come from? Mm -hmm. Like, why does it become so prevalent? Why does it become such a pressing issue to do this rather than window dressing on your current tattoo practice? Um, there, there, there has to be some kind of need, um, and and if I if if I dismantle if I dismantle intentional tattooing, what what we what we do or what we aspire to do, or the way in which we aspire to connect with people, if I break everything down, if I mean I can I can say somebody's coming to get tattooed to be empowered. I can say somebody's coming to ta- to get tattooed to deal with their trauma or to. I can give you a list of reasons, but mm-hmm. I think that it always there's some kind of fundamental healing involved. Um, and I think that if you are uh, self-reflective and introspective enough to be brutally honest with yourself, um, if you take on any kind of role as a, as a healer, um, you, you have to know what you're doing to people. You, you can't put something that is mediocre on somebody and say, Hey man, this is my gift to you. Like those two things at some point have to align. Um, because I think it is, it's just, I mean, if I do this, uh, in the, when, when I do private sessions with people, I really just want to help people. I just really want to help people, uh, 
have a better life experience, have a better tattoo experience. Um, I want to help people get the most out of, out of that experience. And even though I will say to people and the, the, like one of the things that I keep pushing is the, the aesthetic is not the pinnacle. I don't mean that as in the technical ability is not the pinnacle. I just mean that we are so obsessed with the fucking image and how it looks and what it looked like his tattoo. And can I get this tattoo and can I get exactly this in my fashion? And I just want to throw that out the fucking window and say, man, why are you here? Are you not here to transform yourself? Are you not here to, to, to make yourself more than you are now? You're not here to fix something, to overcome something, to transcend something. Um, or do you just want slap something that looks cool on you because you can do both you really can you can do both but uh um i forgot where we were going no that's so good we're talking about throwing fashion in the bin (laughs) (laughs) it's so true yeah and i mean that that's the seduction of tattooing at the moment you know yep this is this is also the entitlement of our current time where we you know we see something and we can have it. Yes, I can buy it. Yeah, yeah, you know. I'm always thinking about that. Like my my process with people getting tattooed is quite slow. I've been, I'm really, you know, I'm very lucky to be able to tattoo less and take my time and really feel into where people are at. And, you know, I, I really tune into that side of it and if someone's almost like you know too um too excited about getting it i the process without me trying to just slows down until they're they end up with this sort of having to be a little bit more patient with things and the timing's always right on point but it's been real interesting to watch where it's like um yeah allowing people to understand that there is that other side to it. It's not you just getting a pretty picture because you want to and you want to look like this or because it goes with what's happening yeah. for you aesthetically at the time, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like if, if to add to that, um, because we go back to this sort of consumerist idea that I see something or I want something and I bring my money and I buy something and I've given you my money, um, so that's my work. Um, but I think that actually in, uh, like when we take it to its pinnacle, it's, uh, it's like, I actually need more from the client. I need, I need the client to work like regardless of the fact that there's an energy exchange of money for time. Uh, we take that out of the equation and we say, cool, like I'm, I'm really going to work for you, but are you going to come here and work for me as well? Um, and for me, for me, the work, like when I say work, it's, it's, it's becoming honest is very difficult. Um, it's also what I find difficult in the, in the street shop dynamic. Um, and, and part of where I'm taking my practice at the moment, my, my, my practice is, 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 is in its infancy, I would say. And I have a vision for where I'm, where, where I'm driving at the moment, although the, the road might get a bit windy along the way. Um, but my, my, my first point, of course, is, is ego diffusal. Because if somebody comes into a shop and sits with me, and I've just met them, I, I, it's unfair for me to expect that person to become vulnerable uh, to a complete stranger, or even if I've worked with them before, an almost stranger. 
um, in a scenario where there's other people within earshot, um, it becomes very difficult. And uh, so my like my first point point of course is ego diffusal, and and the only way to do that is like I have a meditative process that I go through with people, um, but it's also about just building a relationship. And in order to get somebody to uh, be more vulnerable, you need to be equally vulnerable with them. Um, so there's this, uh, yeah, there's work from both sides, man. Completely, uh, yeah. completely. And I, I understand completely what you're, you're talking about. Again, again, part of the, the catalyst for the, you know, the course that I'm putting up, the course, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't even like using that language or having it to be out in that way. It's just how we reach people at the moment. But getting people to understand that there there's the work on their part you know they need to be putting themselves in that position and really um coming in at the same point as as the artists you know if they were to come to see someone like yourself you know so that there isn't this need to like coach as much and get them into a similar um place of understanding you can kind of meet each other where you're at straight away and yeah. that work can happen yeah yeah you know yeah, so I mean, let's talk about um, what your practice does look like right now and what that vision is that you're working towards. You know, because I understand it can it'll change and pivot as you go along. Yeah. But like, what's what's it look like now when you're working with people in private, and where do you want it to to go for yourself? So I'm 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 pushing. <laughs> Some days I feel like I'm pushing myself a little bit uh, a little bit too far. Um, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to push a little bit. I'm almost testing the boundaries, um, for myself at the moment. Um, so I do, I do a small kind of meet and greet consultation, uh, in the shop in working hours and I meet somebody and we put face to face. Um, we chat a little bit about it. I explain kind of where I'm at with, uh, with the way I go about things. I give them like a basic overview, see if they're comfortable, um, get the ballpark kind of money figure out of the way, deal with yeah. all that stuff up front. Um, and then I, I give them the, I basically give them the concepts of intention um, and, and having an intention during tattoo and just the concept of being able to access uh, what I would call like a trance state or an altered state of consciousness uh, within the tattoo process. Um, and to harness that rather than to run away from it or try and hide from it because it comes dressed as pain, um, to kind of embrace that and use their intention as an anchor to push through that, that space if it gets difficult, mm-hmm. um, or to use their intention as an anchor to meditate through that space if it's easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I give them the, I give them the formula basically. Um, and then uh, at the moment I'm doing, I only have evenings available. It's the only way that I've found to, um, to access a practice in a street shop. Um, and I'm talking street shop, like on average, we're like four to six artists in a, yeah, room, right. in a small environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dublin, Dublin shops are tiny. Um, so it's close quarters. Um, so I, I've taken to working evenings, like one or two evenings a week. Um, so it's like I'll do my usual day, break for dinner, and usually start eight eight thirty in the evenings. Um, and I start by con- trying simple connection, man. Just a simple putting each other at ease, 
Yeah. I usually work in low lighting. I take off the, you know, like the crappy fucking neon lights and uh, like I, I just set a space, like a, yeah, yeah. a space, like a setting. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I walk them through uh, like a meditation. I would call it a guided meditation, but it's not really. It's just getting into a comfortable space. Yeah. Um, and by allowing, I think that if you allow somebody to take you into meditation, there's an automatic kind of letting go that happens there. Um, and just connecting with your own breath and being in a space with somebody where I'm, I'm doing the same. I'm breathing with them. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. And yeah, like five to 10 minutes, you know, it's not, we're not pushing, we're not breaking reality by trying to get somebody to sit still for too long. Um, and then I like, I invite them to chat as much as they feel freely about what, why are you here? Um, like, why are you here? Like, what did you come here for? What is, what do you, what do you hope to achieve? What's going on for you basically? Cause yeah. there's always something going on for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I found that, I found that it's, man, it pretty much just comes straight out. Yeah. Well, if um, you set the, if you set that space. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much comes out. It's, it, it comes straight up. Um, the, the part where I've set myself the challenge is I don't do, we don't really discuss design or aesthetic before the time. Um, uh-huh. yeah. So <laughs> I'm finding, I'm to be honest, I'm fine. I'm finding that as tricky as the clients are finding that a little more tricky. Um, but at the same time I'm trying, I'm, I guess at the moment I'm trying to again, subvert the aesthetic, um, and subvert the need for a specific aesthetic. Um, yeah, so, so now I, we're trying to so we're trying to find what we're dealing with, and we're trying to find what body parts do do we feel called to, which I generally find also seems to come up pretty quick and pretty easy. Yeah, um, if yeah. If it's a part of the body, if you move towards a part of the body that feels uncomfortable, um, uh, like if it was in your sort of like the lower chakras, and it's not some way that you were interested in getting tattooed. Um, then we look at uh, doing something that aligns with that for you that kind of feels reflective, um, some alternate place. Um, and then, uh, and then we chat about how we can make that, how we can make that into a, like at the moment I'm working more with kind of sigils and glyphs, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. simple, simple symbolic stuff. Yeah. Um, but I guess that the, like, I, I mean, in the long term, man, I would like to run that out into, you know, if I could sit with a day for somebody, with somebody, it wouldn't matter. There would be less pressure. Totally. Um, at the moment, because I have, I have a short time frame. There's a little bit more pressure on me, uh, internally. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. To produce something. Go, yeah. Like, cool. Like, here they're we go. here. Like, we got this time. Yeah. Um, but if I have a day with somebody, it's much easier to say, Hey man, like, how do you, let's draw on you. Let's, let, let's do some sketching. Let's stand in the mirror together. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's think about which way we can go with this. Um, but I really do think that, uh, in, intuitive is, is a lot stronger, um, than going with a formula of, Oh yeah, well, I, I like this guy's work and I like this guy's work and I like this thing you did and make me something to go on my chest. And then we're already predetermining exactly which way we're going to walk. Um, and like I say, I am, I am pushing myself a little bit, uh, and, and it doesn't always feel comfortable. Um, but, but, I'm, 
but the results are good. The results yeah. are good. And I'm fine. But in that space, there's no escape. Um, you know, those insecurities and those things that are coming up inside myself, I have to, <laughs> yeah, yeah you got to push through, but you have to be there real. for the person. Yeah. Um, so those are good, but uh, I really do feel the need for, for big, larger time frames to work with people. Yeah, yeah. If you, when you can give yourself that um, time, you know, time's yeah. the key with this whole process, really. It's like the, the more time you can permit, the better, for sure. Yeah. I found that's changed things for myself. Yeah, but uh, at the moment it's difficult, man. Like, like you were saying earlier, like you worked, you went into, a, you worked in a, in, in, a, in a shop in Melbourne, and it was nice to be back in that space. Um, and and it is a dichotomy because I, I love the people I work with. Uh, uh, my boss is also my friend, um, and my colleagues are also my friends, and mm-hmm. uh, and we have great banter during the day. Um, we, we have a good support structure between each other and it's not like I want to move out of that space, but at the same time, I do want a separate private space um, so that I can, so that I can follow this agenda uh, a little bit more closely and on totally. a little bit more closely. I, and I kind of feel like I don't, I mean, this is just in the ether, but I kind of feel like it's around the corner. I don't know how it's going to manifest yet, but, but I can feel it mm. um, in, in, in the sense that, uh, that I don't think it's going to be the big deal that I, that, that I think it needs to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, you can keep I, it small and humble and do your thing. Yeah, not even that. I think, I think that there's a space. I think that a space will, 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 will reveal itself when the time is right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, yeah. I mean, all of those little keys in the, in that walkthrough you gave, um, I think, are, uh, part of the necessary ingredients, having that time being yeah. intuitive, I think it's really, yeah. it really is important. Um, I've been working that way for a couple of years now where it's uh, literally just, yeah, it has been. I was going to say, unless I'm doing something like Japanese, but I haven't done anything like that recently. Anyway, you know, there's the preparation. I, I kind of have to hold myself back and know, and I've got to a point where it's it's very comfortable now and it's, it, I'm in trust with it, but people will come in and we, we work it out and map it out on the day. You know, I'll have a conversation the night before and, you know, I do a lot of drawing at night in my, like when you're asleep, yeah. you work a lot of things out, yeah. right? That, yeah, that's yeah. just part of your cognitive functioning. So I'll think about, I like to see a photo of the person and talk about what's going on for them. And I'll even take in reference if they have it. I'll yeah. consume it visually and let myself sort of draw at night. And then the next day it just, it, it is what it needs to be, you know? And I really trust that process now. And I'm, I think that definitely amplifies what's taking place for that person in terms of letting go and trusting, um, you know, and using, using some language that you've had in one of our emails, you know, I think that's the best way for it to be a vehicle for personal growth. Yeah. You know, is that experience because they're really having to, they're really having to step into something, you know, and cultivate trust in something like bigger than them you know 
yeah. much yeah, bigger yeah. than yeah, them. Yeah, for sure. So it's it's yeah. an amazing thing. Uh, let's look at, um, if you don't mind, in this last little bit, we'll wrap it up soon because I've actually got another um, another chat to have in 10 or 15 minutes' time. But, you know, you said you, you're doing a lot of sigil work um, at the moment, which is quite nice. And one yeah. of my questions yeah, yeah. is just... Um, you know, talking about your your personal practices of like hermetic magic and even use of medicine, um, the tarot, they're things that I see you putting up and, and using yeah, in your practice. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, how does that all, all weave in at the moment? I'm sure we need a pro- probably another podcast and I think <laughs> we, we definitely should line it up so we can get more deeply into those um, magical sides, you know, that have aligned with the tattooing eventually. But yeah, just sure. to touch be, on be, it uh, and start be, that combo, yeah. I'd be amped. Um, yeah, like so I guess that like if I have any formal study, um, it's uh, it would be the Western mystery tradition or like the sort of Kabbalistic framework. Um, and uh, and I've been working for with tarot for many years um, and tarot from a Kabbalistic point of view as well. Okay, yeah. Um, how that how that plugs in is uh i guess it's just language man mm. i really think that it is just you know like uh what do they call like uh layman's terms for kabbalah would be like a, a map of the human soul the framework human experience yeah. yeah framework to hang things on and uh um and, and just a, a a sort of a a catalog or encyclopedia of, of, of symbols, numbers. Um, so when you, and tarot plugs into exactly the same thing. So when you're seeing things coming up for people or, um, you're seeing, uh, like an elemental association. So if you're looking at swords and you're looking at intellect and the mind. Um, it's just a nice, it's a nice, uh, and I, and I'm, I, I'm definitely downplaying and minimizing it and abbreviating it, but yeah, it, yeah. it's a nice, it, and especially for people who are not in that way of life at all. Like I say, I don't push any kind of agenda on, onto anybody. Um, but it, it, it is a nice language to be able to hang things on for people to mm-hmm. allow them to make sense of, of symbology. Like why are we, why are we using the number two in your tattoo or why are we using the number six in your tattoo? what does that mean? How do we relate that to ourselves and being able to weave a story? Tarot is very much storytelling. Yes. Yes. It's how you tell the story. Um, so it's like, how do I take somebody's story and tell it back to them in a way that has a lot more mystical import than describing yourself walking down the street, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. You, so it's, it, it, it's a good, it's a good feedback vehicle. Um, that, that's my that's my true passion um, in terms of in terms of study. Everything else that I have is just a bastardized white man's version of other people's events. And because I don't have, I've never met a, a shaman in my life. Uh, so in terms of shamanism, it it would very much be on the neo side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But my my I, and I haven't worked with plant medicine since I've moved to Ireland because it's not legal here. Um, but I also felt like I felt like the need for just a long period of integration to kind of uh, process all of that stuff. I, f- I find that the ayahuasca training can, can very much be 
people just get obsessed. And then as soon as the sort of three, four month half-life wears off, oh, I've got to drink again. I've got to drink again. And I'm like, I'm, I had to sit and take a long look at myself and go, am I doing the same thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, do I need to top it up? And if I need to top it up, then how much value does it have? Um, yeah. So why am I doing it? You know, integration became a way more valuable than the experience and, uh, just, uh, timed out nicely with my move here because I, I just needed some time to to process all well, I mean I hadn't ever had that experience and then you find people you've never had that experience in your life and then you want to do it every two or three months mm-hmm. um, and then how much time are you giving yourself to just process that level of, of sort of downloading yeah yeah um, totally yeah so so I don't I don't I don't work with uh, I, I still do work with uh, like Cambo's uh, quite a big love of mine. Uh, okay. Yep. Cambo of the frog, mm-hmm. frog medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also find that when you, when you touch base with those things, you understand that shamanism is not uh, all the tools that are available to the shamans are not unique to shamans. Um, it's, yeah. Uh, while study under somebody who has got lineage and vast wealth would be amazing for me. Um, if I don't have access to that, um, the potential to, uh, discover aspects of those modalities on your own, it's, it, it's there. You can pick up a drum and you can, and you can learn how to journey. You can pick up a rattle and you can learn how to journey. Um, there's no gates and there's no gatekeeper to, to stop you doing that. Um, it only, it becomes a little bit iffy once you start calling yourself a shaman and walking out there and trying to, um, interact with people on that level when you have no schooling or foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Back to the snake oil again. But so when it comes to stuff like shamanism or kind of Eastern philosophy, it's what I, it's, it's what I've read and it's, it's based solely on my personal experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah. uh, I like I prefer to be upfront about that stuff. It's like I have no aspiration to be any kind of crazy neo shaman. I'm a I have enough to go on, man. Like tattooing is enough to unpack for the rest of hey, my life. Hey, to- totally, you know. And <laughs> just to draw some some correlation between that integration piece, you know, because that's really important. That's that's one of the the principles too. When I look at kind of what's underlying the experience, it's like. The same thing can happen with tattooing as with drinking um, Aya, you know. It's like people can start getting tattooed and having these experiences and they just want to just keep getting tattooed and can get covered really, really quickly without any integration between, you know, which is why I'm always encouraging people to take their time with their tattoos. You know, and the more we can remove the need for money um, from the experience of getting tattooed, which is quite hard at the moment, you know, I'm not saying we should, but it's like the less that as an artist you have an, a need to get people through the door, the more you can sort yeah. of like find that balance, the more you can sort of drop in that space and really feel into, again, that the energy behind the person receiving and be like, okay, d- does does there need to be a little bit more time between sessions for this person? You know, because I think it it is and it should be a lifetime sort of process getting your work done right yeah that's interesting man that's interesting because it's a cold day in hell before any tattoo goes no 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 i don't think you should get another sleeve i know <laughs> you know? i know right yeah. but then 
Yeah, and again, not to sort of say there's any right or wrong way necessarily because everyone's on their own path, you know. But, I, you know, I see a lot of people that are like super heavily tattooed at such young ages. I'm just like, I wonder, like, how much is getting locked in at such a pre-formed stage of themselves, you know. Yeah, it's so, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But, mate, I'm going to leave it at that for this interview. I'm so happy yeah, we connected. I'm so happy yeah. we connected. It's really good. Um, yeah, me too, man. I'm really, really happy to hear about what you're doing. And um, again, I, I really sort of applaud you and I respect everything you're doing. Um, for those that are listening, I'm going to put some links up to, to Sean's work um, and just to, you know, let, let you all know and, and link back into that piece on technical abilities as one side of it and and the the more um occulted side as the other sean does really beautiful work he's he does amazing tattoos technically so i just want to sort of give you that nod mate i really like the work that you're doing and i'm glad that you're leaning more heavily into the intentional side of it too because i think it's really needed we need good artists that are doing things in a very genuine way so yeah, dude, and, and, and thank you, man. Thanks. I just want to say thank you for knowing or unknowingly being a little uh, a little prod of encouragement across the last few years, man. Oh, so oh. you always you always seem to touch base with me at the right time. I don't know why. Yeah, cool. There's only a small number of people around doing what we're doing, so I just try and stay in touch. It's great, man. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you again for your time. Um, maybe you can just give people a bit of a a direction to what your social um links are and tags i'll put uh, them underneath uh, anyway uh, yeah but yeah cool because because no one ever gets it verbally because yeah i picked the greatest <laughs> <laughs> the greatest tongue twister of all time um yeah so it's just electric hermetic uh on instagram and then it's electric hermetic dot inc on the web cool yeah. Cool, that one's yeah. been up since July, and it's I've never put a link to it anywhere. So yeah, I couldn't that's find super, it. That's super COVID. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, I'll put some links up, and um, I'll send and you a link, dude. Yeah, nice. If anyone wants yeah. to chat to Sean more, just shoot him a message. Um, and if you're in Dublin or around, and you want to get some work done, definitely hit him up. And yeah, mate, we'll be in touch soon. We'll get another one happening when time permits. Awesome. awesome. Much love to you, bro. You too, man. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for your openness, for your energy and your attention and for allowing these conversations to enter into your mind, your psyche, to go through your beautiful human filtration system and for ultimately playing your part in this collective experience moving towards a beautiful future if you do want to get involved in the tattoo community head to tattoopathway.com t-a-t-u pathway.com you can see any of my tattoo work listen to the other podcasts uh, get in contact with me and find information on the seven principles of tattoo philosophy course on my website which is themarkofnara.com the next round of that course starts September 
27th and will run for 10 weeks. And I look forward to hearing all of you. When you reach out, please share this podcast with people that you think will find it useful and interesting. And have a good day.